You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. happy Greg was to be able to put a little bit of double bass in there. <laughs> as soon as I heard the double bass, I'm like, yeah, I could see Greg yeah. smiling through all that. I just got a text from him, too, where he uh, rebuilt uh, that cymbal stack, the trashy one. Yeah. He uses a bunch of old cymbals and, and uh, stacks them up. It's just sweet that it's synthy and soundtracky, but there's a groove yeah. behind this too, you know. And it does the original justice, I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what's the name of this track? Uh, This track is called Red. It's a cover by the band King Crimson. Sweet. First time we've ever released a cover in any band we've ever been in. We we decided uh, this record was it. (laughs) Had to do a cover song. Well, covers can be a really, really weird thing because people get funny about covers. Mm -hmm. People are really protective of covers. Yeah. Um, and I can say I am too, so I, I get it. Yeah, I understand it too. Uh years ago with Retro Burn we did a cover of Duran Duran's All She Wants Is yeah. and we changed it. It made it like really like super arpeggiated synth and people actually dug it because it still kind of fit yeah. that style right of the on. original. But yeah, we always were kind of like, Are people gonna be pissed? Right, yeah, yeah. You wanna go out there a little bit, but uh Maybe not too far, but sometimes that's cool too. If you really commit, you just never know. You just have to do what's true to your heart, I guess. Yeah, people yeah. just are protective. You know, there's a fine line too between making it sound like your own thing and then also being true to what made made you want to, I guess, cover the song in the first place. Yeah, the, the exactly. essence of it, you know. For sure. So why King Crimson? Because I love King Crimson. Yeah. 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 Most definitely. Um, plus, it's instrumental as well, so that makes it easy since we're an instrumental band. Right. Um, if, so if you, if you were going to do a King Crimson song, perhaps that would be a good choice. And I've always loved that. And another thing is <clears throat> that was the very first King Crimson song I ever heard. Um, this was in the mid-'90s. I got introduced to King Crimson by the Live in Japan at the time VHS. Yeah. Um, and that was the, what they opened the set with, or at least that's what why I first saw. And I was like, what even is this? What is going on right now? Because that was the double trio era right, of right. King Crimson with, uh, with uh, you know, two bassists. You had Trey Gunn and Levin um, doing the touch guitar versus stick versus bass versus upright, depending on the song. And two drummers, uh, Pat Mastelato and Bill Bruford, kind of trading off. It was just mind-blowing. So, Sweet. Uh, so th- th- that was my intro to King Crimson. So I, I guess that also helped dictate which King Crimson song. Yeah. So 
We're here with Steve Green from Voyager 3. Howdy. Other guys couldn't be here tonight. Steve has obviously been here with us numerous <laughs> times in the past. I love it here. Yeah. I have a cot in the corner. I spend the night sometimes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So we're talking about the new album tonight. We're kind of skipping our regular format because this is kind of a different show where we're trying to concentrate on artists, musicians, filmmakers, stuff like that. So welcome back. Thank you. Mara is here. She's in Scott's seat tonight. Greetings. But sorry, Scott, we miss you. I'm but replacing Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Scott. <laughs> no, so, no, we never could. Really quick before we get deep into this, I will mention our sponsors, Sellerman's and Hazel Park. You guys are awesome. Great mead over there. Have you been to Sellerman's? No, but my buddy Don does sound a lot there. Oh, okay. I see his posts. He'll post like literally behind the mixing console and show the band. Very He'll be cool. like, I'm doing sound tonight at at at, at, the, at this place, this place, you know, whatever. Um, I need to get there though. You need to get there. Really cool place. Feels like an old VFW hall okay. inside. They've done nothing to change the way it looks inside. It just feels like an old school hall. You just go there and drink mead. Right on. And, and I remember how much I used to love, no, nobody does this anymore. I don't know why. Uh, I, I'm going to blame the internet, but nobody does hall shows anymore. But back in the 90s when we would do shows like, you know, three times a year, instead of at a bar or a club, it'd be a hall show. And those would always be the coolest shows. People would go nuts and it's all ages typically, those ones. So I don't know why nobody does those anymore, unless I'm just too old and I'm not invited. Maybe that's I don't, it. I think that's something <laughs> that just kind of got lost. Yeah. You know, um, the hall shows were awesome. Yeah. I remember doing those like in high school, you know, For sure. we would play hall shows because maybe the, the, be the most people. Yeah. Yeah. And it would just be like a, a big party, yeah. you know, just a party. Someone so, needs to bring back the hall shows. Yeah. Who, let's who's do that going to be? Let's do it. It'll be me because <laughs> I got to do everything. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So Sellerman's great. Uh, love those guys. Of course, the Flint Institute of Arts. Been there a couple times myself. Have you guys? No, you guys haven't been there yet. I haven't have been you? there. Mm-mm. No. You would love it. Yeah. Really, really cool place. A lot I of I think they art. got a, a Star Wars exhibit once, like two years ago. Was they there did. for a week or something like yeah, that? Yeah. 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 Very cool place. Everybody there is very nice. And then, of course, projectorscreen.com. Check them out for any of your electronics needs. So, what do you guys want to get into first? You want to get into the history of the band? How did, uh, how did, how did Voyager 3 get started? Um, it, I kind of d- dreamt up, um, I basically love synthesizers and movie soundtracks and all that kind of thing. Um, and in the early 2000s, I actually purchased a synthesizer because um, I said, you know what, I want to try to do this stuff. Uh, that was back after uh, my first band, along with actually Greg and Aaron, who are also in Voyager 3, we were all in the same band together. We've always been in the same bands together for the most part. Yes, you have. And it was <laughs> after Forge disbanded, and we, we, we were not doing anything musically, um, I bought um, a synthesizer and I was just goofing around with it. On, at the time, I think it was Pro Tools 7 or maybe even less. I don't remember. It was a long time ago, probably 2004 or three. And I started goofing around and, and really learning <clears throat> what a synthesizer does because some people think that a synthesizer just plays like sampled sounds. Like I remember I was in a, a recording session one time and someone goes, hey, dude, do you have a car horn on that thing? And I'm like, it no. doesn't work like that, man. That's <laughs> uh, not a sampler. Um, so I took some time. Peace. I took some time to like figure out all the knobs. They all do something. They all have a purpose. They all um, can come in handy depending what you're trying to do. And if you learn it, then you can be in the driver's seat, basically. So I took some time to start to learn synthesis. Um, then we started a band called Decibilt, which was like a 70s-inspired rock band. And... Uh, while that's not really my thing so much, I still participated because it was better than not playing in a band. So right, right. for quite a few years, we were in Decibilt and we played around town and we recorded a four song uh, EP, which never got released, but I did mix one track about a year ago. Um, turned out really cool. So maybe at some point we'll put that on like Bandcamp or something or SoundCloud. But uh, so all the while that band was going, I was still doing uh the electronic stuff synthesizers um doing just stuff by myself recording just kooky stuff that i would put like on myspace so that dates that kind of lets you know when that was happening yeah because myspace is basically dead now. right for sure um then uh 
uh, Decibilt was starting to slow down. It wasn't done yet, but it was starting to slow down. So I, I, uh, I thought to myself, I want to do this as a band and not just by myself, but I don't know anybody really who likes the same music that I do. Like I listen to soundtracks on purpose, not just for like mood music or if I'm in a certain mood, I'll put soundtracks on or jazz records or instrumental orchestral records and things like that. Like normally, um, that's just me. So that's what I I, do too. Right on. I've done that too. Yeah. 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 So I thought to myself, I don't know anybody else who like really lives in this same bubble and, and embraces it and wants to like take it and run with it. So I, it's definitely niche. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, at first I asked Greg cause I was like, there's no way Aaron's going to want to have anything to do with this because he tends to like rock and roll more so and he- metal and heavy metal and things of that nature. Not, not solely, but a lot. So I, I really didn't think he'd be into it, but I asked Greg first. Surprisingly, he said, I totally am into it. So we, uh, we, jammed one time at the rehearsal space um and we brought um a mutual friend of ours in who plays guitar um in like a more mellow maybe pink floydy type of way um but it just didn't gel you know you just know when something isn't flowing or whatever um so then a a little bit more time passed and i said hey aaron do you have any interest in doing something weird instrumental you know sounds like goblin or John Carpenter or fill in the blank, John Williams, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, yes, I do. And I'm like, really? Okay, cool. So it's, it's my boys. So that's cool. You know, we, we already know how to communicate and we've been playing music together since the nineties, et cetera, et cetera. So we had a few rehearsals and then boom, it just clicked. And here we are about to release our third full length record. <laughs> it's crazy how quick all of it goes too. Yeah. Because really, I mean, it was how long ago did the first album come out? The seven-inch single came out in like June of 2013. Wow, so that's already six years ago. It it's coming up on exactly that. six years in a, in a minute. I mean, in a few months. So that's yeah. What the heck? Six years ago. That's that's nuts. So his was that seven-inch? Was that on Bellyache too? Yes. Yeah. So how did that all come about? Um, I think if I remember correctly, Greg knew Scotty. Okay. Um, because maybe of maybe Bastardus, which is all mutual friends of ours, um, Tony Del Bell and uh, Nick, um, and now Chuck plays bass. But it was Rich from the Suicide Machines. Yeah. So we kind of all mutually know each other, some more than others, whatever. So I think Scotty said, hey, you know, uh, or Greg said, Scotty puts out records, man. Let's see if he wants to put out. Uh, our album so we sent him um it was either a demo or the actual finished recording i can't remember which one it was but he said this is exactly the stuff that i'm looking to put out so yeah. it just happened that everything lined up like in the cosmos just right so he just put it out and uh it got pretty good traction and got a lot of write-ups and like people bit on the press and stuff it just clicked because it could have easily been crickets i, I suppose but it got some traction. So then we did the full length and that really got traction because a lot of press hit on that. And we even got, um, a movie, uh, thing happening where, um, they, uh, this Toronto production, um, pitched this story to Roddy Piper about like, uh, Cthulhu and this, these people in the basement trying to summon Cthulhu and all this stuff, all this stuff. It was a short, um, so they pitched it to him and he's like, I'm all in. So then they did a crowdfunding campaign, uh, for it, raised all the money to make the film. And the director, I believe was friends with somebody from Rue Morgue. I think that's how the connection is. And he got a hold of us and he said, I've been jogging to your album, Doom Fortress for like <laughs> six months now. I love it. And we would love to have you guys have music in this short called Portal to Hell. And we're like, uh, okay, sure. This is what we're trying to do. So yes, yeah. we'll totally do this. So the way that logistics and budget and timing and everything like that worked out is that they licensed two songs off of Doom Fortress and then like the rest of the space in the film, I scored it just me with like just synth stuff and like just much more sparse. Like layering. Sound, yeah, just soundscape type stuff and, and, and things of that nature. And that really got 
traction going when when all that was hitting. So that like the first pressing of Doom Fortress sold out, and Scotty at Bellyache put a second pressing in with like different colors because the, the the color vinyl is so much fun, you know, and you can make it match the art if you yeah. want and all this mm-hmm. stuff. So um, that one really made a splash, and uh, some some different distribution. Um, grabbed it up overseas and domestically. So we were like in um, Best Buy's website, like this weird, obscure instrumental synth band you can buy at Best Buy. Really? Okay. Cool. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Uh, I'll yeah. take it, but it just seems odd, you know? <laughs> I was at uh, Second and Charles has a copy of that. Okay. At 50, M59 in Shaner area. Oh, I've never been there. Dude. Me either. Never heard of it. It's called Second and Charles. It's basically used books, new books, used vinyl new vinyl wow they've got a huge anime section manga um tons of graphic novels and whatnot it's like paradise wow for people like us every time you think you know something i know somebody brings out another thing i'm like oh i haven't heard of that there's always new novel ways to spend our money yes right yeah (laughs) yeah i took my son connor to second and charles for his birthday a couple months ago he had a bunch of money to spend and literally, he didn't buy anything. He bought a couple used manga books. Yeah. And that was it. Because mm-hmm. he was like, I can't. I just, there's so much here. I can't even it's overload. take it all <laughs> in. That's fun. Wow. It was kind of like that <laughs> store I was talking about earlier, Grindhouse Video right. in Tampa. I did want to mention that place tonight. Just absolutely amazing. If you're in Florida, if you're in that area, if you're traveling down there, check this place out, Grindhouse Video. Tons and tons of unique Blu-rays, mainly horror, though. Right, right. So I well, was nothing wrong with that. Oh my! <laughs> I was erect for the entire time. <laughs> it was cool though, because my wife was with me, and she's like, "Just take your time." And I'm like, "Really?" She's like, "Don't, yeah, it's your vacation too." I'm like, "Oh yes, yeah, wow, it is cool. <laughs> my vacation." So, so how does distribution work on the albums? And where? I mean, is it international, national? How does all that work? Um, well, it kind of goes album to album. Um, I'm not really sure what's happening yet with War Mask, but I know that Doom Fortress and Are You Synthetic were picked up by a company called Light in the Attic, which, um, especially for indie stuff, is that they're pretty good. They have a far reach. They're very credible. There's a a whole crowd of people that that are, that wait for the next thing that they're going to either put out or distribute. So it's kind of like um, a built-in audience to an to an extent and they also handle a bunch of the online retailers and they have like i guess you know connections with all that stuff um so it even put our albums on uh, merch bar which is like a spotify kind of associate type of thing so when you go to spotify and look at voyager 3 stuff um our last two records are, are available on spotify through yeah. merch bar so that's pretty cool um and i don't know what's going to happen with this one yet it seems like that stuff is like you don't hear anything, you don't hear anything, and then the last minute you hear something and then a whole bunch of records get shipped out to them and then it's everywhere. It's kind of weird. There's no like, no there, there's no pre-planning to it. To it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure something will happen. And a really cool um, store in um, the UK called Strange Vice um, is pretty cool with us. They uh, they buy wholesale um, like my solo stuff Okay. and the band stuff so i'm sure that we'll um talk to them again too and, th- and there's a couple of uh, like p- uh, progressive rock oriented web stores like wayside music and um oh, there's one more i'm trying to remember the name of it uh, sl- uh laser cd or cd laser one of the two i can't remember i think it's cd laser yeah. that sounds kind of familiar yeah those two ones like we'll pick up our stuff uh domestically and and really kind of just sell it through their site but see they have their own audience so that's kind of cool like people who wouldn't hear of us any other way right typically know what laser cd puts out or wayside music puts out so they get it that way so it's like never-ending web of interconnections and networking and just everything like that but you know you know being in bands forever that's just how it works that's what Mm -hmm. it's what you do (laughs) everything is about networking especially now you know you'd think it'd be like so much easier with facebook and twitter and instagram and all that shit right and it's almost like devolved to the point that there's so much right. out there right. that it's harder now sometimes to interconnect the pieces. You can get yeah. lost in so many people. Yeah. 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 It's true. I think there's just kind of a, a higher volume of stuff. So um, 
even though it's easier to make music per se, like with the technology aspect oh, of it, yeah. and easier to distribute it with the technology aspect of it, that just means more people are doing it. So you have to do something that stands out or do, you know, whatever that complex equation is that no one has the answer to mm -hmm. or else you'd be a millionaire, I right. guess, or whatever. But <laughs> you, you have to stand out somehow. That's why I like doing the tribute band thing because it, like, I've marketed the hell out of that for so long now yeah. that now it's just kind of easy to do it. And like falling back into the original music thing, it's really hard. It's really yeah, they're, hard. They're, like, they're two different universes, I would imagine. Totally. Mm -hmm. yeah. Completely. Because with the whole tribute band thing, you've already got your built-in crowd that you can market to right. and put they that know music what you out sound for. Like. <laughs> they know what you're going to sound like. And it's all about the nostalgia trip for them. With right. putting out original music now, if you're not really in that niche like you guys have done, it's got to be a lot harder, yeah. especially with not a lot of good record deals going on right. and people not really selling a lot of albums. It's not like it was before. Right. I mean, changed. The, the way that I look at it, and this is just me personally talking about my situation. I'm not trying to tell anybody else what to do, but I don't think... Unless you're trying to be the top 5%, like the, a pop artist that is trying to appeal to everybody and sell a lot of records, like you're moving McDoubles, basically. Yeah. It, it, in, unless you're trying to be like that, I don't think you really need a label, per se, at all, because there's enough resources, and if you have your own savvy about it, and if you have knowledge about it, then I think you can handle it on your own. I mean, it's basically what the band does, what Voyager 3 does, is that... Um, we do our own stuff with the exception of we license out our music to Bellyache Records to put the vinyl version out, but the digital and the CDs and the cassettes and all that kind of stuff, that's all done by us. And so we have a quality control on it because I don't, I haven't met anybody yet as awesome as Scotty who has that aesthetic and an eye and the quality and the attention, the detail that he does. Right, right. So I trust him with our albums immensely just he, he everything he puts out looks so good even like the thickness of the record jacket is perfect he chooses the right bag to put the records in it's just amazing so w besides him we just do it ourselves. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and that's the whole thing is you can do the a lot of that grassroots stuff a lot mm -hmm. yeah. easier now and you probably do a lot more of that stuff through your work too right correct? oh yeah i mean i print all of our own yeah. stuff um, all the time for sure that's awesome yeah so did you listen to some of their stuff, Mara? I did, yeah. So what did you think? I loved it. I loved it. Um, Thanks. You know, I, I, th what stood out about it for me, because um, I, I'm kind of like, I, I guess, a casual fan of a lot of like synthwave stuff. Um, I really liked the hard rock kind of edge into it. Yeah. With like a, a guitar driven. Um, that really stood out to me. Cool, cool. I loved it though. Yeah, I listened to Are You Synthetic. Right on. The double album. Yeah. Oh, the you double. committed. Right I did. Out of the gate. I did. <laughs> I was I was doing work around my house and I had that on and I was checking it out and uh yeah, my husband's ready to pre order war games now after that too. Hell yeah. He was really excited about that. Dig it, dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Um <clears throat> it's funny you mentioned Are You Synthetic because uh when we did Astronomicon uh, a couple of months ago, we had a table and we had our whole setup and we were selling stuff, signing stuff, and just having a great time. Uh, and and uh, shout out to, to Twisted for sure because the the one guy from Twisted... The other ICP. ...asked <laughs> for our album. And uh, then they played it on Sunday all day on loop. Are you synthetic? So all oh, wow. was it 13 songs. So it pl that was the soundtrack to Astronomicon on Sunday all day. They, I, I can't thank those guys enough. That was so cool. They, really they do cool, not then. have to do that no. at all. So thank you, Twisted. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's cool, then. Yeah. So what I wanted to ask you after listening uh, to that album, what are what are some of your influences? Either, I guess, be it uh, bands, musicians, or like certain movie soundtracks even. Yeah, it's it's really all of that stuff. I can pretty much speak for everybody in the band. I'll start with myself, but... Uh, Definitely um, 80s era King Crimson. I like all King Crimson, but yeah. the 80s <laughs> era is probably my favorite because that was pr probably what I discovered first, I would say. Um, and like uh, artists like Herbie Hancock, um, uh, Tangerine Dream, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of your staple 
probably ones that most people have heard about uh, horror films and sci-fi films. Just like not anything in in particular, but like the the accumulative spirit yeah. of that um, kind of drives the vibes of, of some of that songwriting. And then of course, Aaron and Greg, um, while they also love that type of music and, and all those films too, those guys definitely have a few more uh, hard rock and heavy metal pins on their jacket, just to mm-hmm. be silly about it. But uh, they definitely listen to a lot more stuff like uh, Dio, Iron Maiden, and Greg likes a lot of death metal. He used to play in a death metal band as well. So he does all the blast beat stuff, the real fast drumming, stuff like that. Um, so I guess when you add all of that together and it gets all m- mixed up and, and, and stuff like that, you kind of get what we're doing, basically. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that you say that you kind of like want to go for the uh, vibe of the movies, but not necessarily you don't really think of anything specific because that's kind of how I felt when I was listening to Are You Synthetic is I'm like kind of reminded of everything, but nothing like right all on, at once. Right on, yeah. Like I'm like, this isn't really reminding me of something specific, but it's just really giving me that that totally like like never ending story vibe. Nice. Oh, I love that film too. <laughs> yeah. Man, my fifth my fifth grade year, I spent half of the year in Kalamazoo because that's where I grew up some some of the time, and then we moved to Florida uh, ha- during Christmas break of of fifth grade, and in on the in the Florida half, um, we had like a free time every Friday, and we would do like break dancing and stuff because <laughs> that was of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would play also like maybe every other week. Uh, the never ending story. So that year I saw that film like 12 times and I loved it the very first time I ever saw it, mm-hmm. but I saw it so many times that year. It was unbelievable. So I would say, yeah, never ending story is, is a, is a, a huge part of my, of my upbringing in film. So oh, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, when, that's kind of like my, my phrase for when anything is like, you know, if I if something's like driving and like really fantastical, I feel like I'm on Falcor now. <laughs> nice, dig it. That's awesome. Poor Falcor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. You know, uh, on a quest to get to the ivory tower. Yes. <laughs> it is kind of funny though, because we are living in this era where the nostalgia and the retro '80s thing—it's like really huge mm-hmm. yeah. i mean even like today news broke that american horror story season nine is going to be american horror story yeah. 1984 and it's like a, oh, be like a slasher right yeah that... and then you know the new wonder woman movie is in the 80s in right? the 80s like it's like oh. 19, wonder woman 86 i think is that the same i actress? think that's 84 yeah. Okay. too yeah weirdly enough dc got a couple things right right on sure yeah i oh. really enjoyed the first wonder woman a lot i really dug that she's great and it, it yeah, actually Seems like maybe they're starting to get their ducks in a row with this Joker thing. I haven't seen that trailer yet, but everybody's talking about it. Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah. Stones did a a review video on that for the site. Really, really good. He's on point with it. Okay. But I think with the DC stuff, it almost seems like they're kind of retrofitting everything and kind of getting ready to maybe fix what they did wrong. Well, that would be cool. Affleck's out as Batman. Ezra Miller mm-hmm. is out as The Flash. The only two remaining people are Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and Jason Momoa as Aquaman. And now they're yeah. doing this spin-off Joker movie and they're doing The Batman, which is going to have somebody else playing Batman. Okay. What so about uh, Superman? Does anybody know what's happening? It's been kind of up in the air. Okay. Where they said he's out, he's not out, maybe he's back, you know, nobody really knows. I thought knows. he did a good job. I just thought I he wasn't great. in good stories. Like, I think he's great. Yeah. What's up, Stones? He's what is he now. on there? Is he on the yeah, chat? Yeah, he's in here now. What's up? Yeah, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> he's going to do some video about our video, and he's going to be all mad about it. Nice. Okay. <laughs> all right. You do you. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think this whole nostalgia thing is kind of driving interest with the music? I'm sure it doesn't hurt. I'm sure it doesn't hurt. But, uh, it's, see, it's funny like that because it, it, I think if if you try to think in those terms – and try to chase that maybe. And I'm not saying that you're saying that, but some people do think yeah. that way is to try to chase whatever might be go- happening. I think it comes off as super insincere and you'll also always be chasing your tail because the yeah. minute you just said about the eighties and stuff like yeah. that, which is completely true. But you know what I've noticed like in the last, I don't know, year or maybe even nine months or, or so is that 
a whole bunch of '90s stuff is uh, oh, that's coming up, popping up, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. because it's all these anniversaries of a bunch of great uh, albums that came out in the '90s, like some of the grunge stuff and whatever. It's all on their 25th anniversary or something like that. So that's also a thing. So then somebody who's concerned about that, you're going to start sounding like Soundgarden now or something or what? I mean, you know, whatever. But yeah. um, in answer to your question, though, I definitely think it's not hurting for sure. It just happens to line up with what we've always loved. I mean, that's when I was coming up as a kid. I can't help it. Like what was in 1984, I was 10 years old. That's what it is. Sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm trapped Mm -hmm. in that, you know, for now or whatever. (laughs) It's just, you know, it's fun. And, you know, I enjoy the nostalgia stuff, but like, stranger things like we watched that and literally i'm like transported back to being a kid yeah because they nailed that vibe i mean every ounce of the sound and the visual and everything like that they nailed it because you're right it did warp you right back to that time for sure so i'm supposed to ask you about your relationship with slasher dave Oh, okay. Um, Somebody just asked about this, so. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, Dave's a cool cat, man. He's He, he does music his, uh, himself as well. He does, like, uh, spooky synth-type stuff, and then he's also the singer of a... Um, Acid Witch. Yeah, Acid Witch, which is kind of like death metal meets <laughs> horror, <laughs> yeah. I guess, something along those lines. I mean, the minute you try to describe music, I, I don't even try because everybody looks at things differently, but cool bands and cool music. But he also is a just phenomenal artist. So he's actually done the artwork to every single Voyager 3 album, full-length album. And he did the single, uh, Victory in the Battle Chamber. Um, and there's been a couple exceptions, like uh, Jeremy Wheeler did um, Secret of the Ice Mountain. And uh, John, uh, who works for Lakeside Records, did the art for The Rise of the Synths. But the majority of the stuff, uh, Slasher Dave ha- has done the art, and I think he always nails it. We give him a, either the whole record or some songs or whatever. And uh, he always comes up with just killer stuff, for sure. He Did he do your, uh, he did the last one that's coming out, right? Yeah. The cover, did he do the, uh, some other ones too? Yeah, he, uh, uh, Slasher Dave has done Victory in the Battle Chamber, mm-hmm. which was a seven inch. He did Doom Fortress. He did Are You Synthetic? And then he did War Mask as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I, I think he keeps doing better every one that we do. I think it's better than the last one. Yeah, they're all awesome at least, covers. At least I think so. Yeah. Well, like I the like new them. one, there's a lot going on. Yeah, for sure. Like so many. Co- yeah. I love all the colors. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. There's somebody who's on fire on the cover for, for heaven's yeah. sake. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, I, wa- I, watched, <laughs> I watched that promo video too. Okay, that cool. That was cool. That Thank was awesome. You. I loved that. Yeah, I, I do those sometimes. I put, my, I put a little... Uh, restraint on myself or like I put myself on a mission and Mm -hmm. if you go to the Voyager 3 YouTube channel you'll see probably three or four or five like that but what I do is is I only find free stock footage online that's it Mm -hmm. and I make a video from that it's kind of like my restraint or my limitation that I put on myself so I can only use that stuff that's cool though it forces a new type of creativity right right that's cool I end up never trying to make a concept first because it never works that way. I have to find stuff that I can go, oh, yeah. I can use that in this way. Yeah. And then I find, the, oh, and then I can cut to that and it'll kind of do this, and blah, it, like, blah, blah, blah. And then, itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it that's cool. Just, it just comes into existence, I guess. So it's 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 a fun challenge, but it's kind of exhausting because I got to do a lot of Google searches. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> it is exhausting. Really, it is. I got a lot going on. And, like, I get exhausted. So I can imagine at times this, you know, it's a creative endeavor. It's supposed to be fun. Right. But there's got to be times you're like, oh, God. Sometimes, yeah, because, as I said earlier, we're our own label in a way. I mean, you know, Bellyache, we work with Bellyache, but at the end of the day, we're the brunt of the promotion and the press releases and all They're that. They're most like mostly distributing for you. Right. And the manufacturing of that, right. of, of the vinyl portion of it for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm crafting press releases on different days. Uh, I mean, I do a lot of stuff music wise. I, I do solo music as well. That's just synth and some sax, but, uh, um, and I, and I just teamed up with this cool guy that I just met. His name's Henry Birdseye and, uh, he's a modular synth guy. And, for those people who don't know, modular synths and keyboard synthesizers, it's kind of two different worlds because with modular, basically what a, a keyboard synthesizer that people think of normally when they think of a synth, everything's all compact. All those little you know. elements in there, the amp part of it, the envelope part, the oscillator part, 
even some effects maybe, whatever it is, all those elements. And a modular synth, every single one of those are separate in their own little box, and you put them in these racks, and then you can... It's just greater customization and more attention to detail and much more expense. So that's the world that Henry lives in. So um, I got this email randomly on Facebook, and it was a, a, a mutual friend of ours, Jeff Milo, who uh, he uh, does a lot of work with the Ferndale Public Library and other cool events. He also does a lot of music journalism around town and even in Ann Arbor. Um, and he, and he's a, a champion of the band and, and, and my work and stuff in, in related bubbles. Uh, super cool guy. And he says, hey, I'm going to do this event in the library called Synthesizers in the Library. It's something that Henry <laughs> does. He's done like three or four of them in, in other towns, and we want to do it in Ferndale. And I'm like, cool. Sounds like exactly what I should be doing. I'm in. Um, <laughs> That's so, an amazing name. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's like this is what you get. It's it's it's, it's, it's right there. It's Synthesizers in the Library. That's right. No so surprise. <laughs> I, I, I spent some time like – kind of organizing what we would do or talk about on there along with Henry because it's, it's it's Henry's thing and he has the vision of it and he has the organization of it and everything like that. So we kind of powwowed about what we want to do and all that sort of thing. And in the discussion came like this, uh, we should do a jam. And I'm like, yes, we should. That's awesome. So <laughs> a few days before, I drove over to his house and we did a jam there too just to make sure our stuff would talk to each other because we have to send some, con he has to send some control voltage out to one of my synths so that I'm synced to his clock. So if I want to run a sequence, it's in meter, it's in time right, with right. what he's doing. So there's some technical stuff. Just had to make sure that that worked and that it was seamless and it, and it was, and we did this cool jam for like an hour and a half and he recorded it. It was fun as hell. I loved it. So I'm even doing stuff like that. Um, so to go back to the original point, it is exhausting. I'm, I'm doing like solo music weird offshoot projects like that the band and it just so happens to be that i just put out a solo album um and now voyager 3 is putting out an album so there's like two albums almost hitting at the same time uh, it's a lot you know and then I, I have two young children and i, I love them to death and th that's busy and for sure yeah <laughs> kids add a lot to the plate for yeah. sure yeah it keeps you young though man keeps you young when your wife is gone a lot traveling for sure she travels quite a bit yeah so yeah so so you're the man of the house. Yes, I'm Mr. Mom. That was I went to go to reference the '80s again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went to go see him at work one day to pick up something you had printed for us. Yeah, and the boys were there with you at work. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Wait, yeah. both kids were there? Maybe just one. Okay, maybe just one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes Ben will come with me to the yeah uh, to the shop and and and, 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 and we'll tear it up. That's pretty cool, though. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of dad you want to have, one that involves you in that stuff. For sure. Be want to be involved in creative stuff yeah. when they get older, too. Yeah, yeah. And the family even came out to the uh, to the library gig, that synthesizers in the library thing. And afterwards, uh, my son ran up, and he was kind of hitting the keys. And I can imagine that some people might have gotten mad about that or, or like, don't touch that or something. I was like, no, turn, let me turn it up for you a little bit. Yeah, Just yeah. let them have some fun. Yep. <laughs> My kids, I've always told them, you know, don't touch this stuff, but go downstairs, play the guitar, go bang on the drums as much as you want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I used to have an electric kit down here. And my son, for about five or six months, would come down, just put the headphones on, turn it on, and pound away, but never, like, got into it. Okay, gotcha. You know, but you I, gave him the good opportunity to do Yeah, that. like, just go. Like, yeah. I don't, mm -hmm. I'm bored. Go play the drums. Yeah. You know? Because I didn't have that when I was a kid. Yeah. So right on. having those outlets to do stuff and to have a parent that's trying to give you that ambition yeah. is sweet, you know? It really is. For sure. It is, Yeah. So what shows do you guys have coming up and how often do you guys play now? Um, well, we, we haven't played that much in the last year, I would say, because we were trying to get this record together. Um, but that being said, with this record coming out on, on April 26th, we plan to play more shows than probably, probably we ever have before. Some in town, some out of town. Um, the next show that we're playing is actually April 27th, the day after the album comes out. We're playing the Saturday night after party at Motor City Nightmares, which is at the Novi Sheraton. Um, it's going to be great. We did this once before. Um, Dave from, uh, from um, how come I'm going to forget their name now? Um, Dave. 
It's just Dave. From the uh, <laughs> Amino Acids. There we go. Okay. okay. Dave from the Amino Acids uh, books the talent for for these after parties. And uh, two years ago, um, not that long after Are You Synthetic came out, he, he had us out and we you know had the new record to present at the convention and we played. So since War Mask is coming out now, we figured let's do that again. So uh, that, that's what's up with that. And then there's going to be another show in June, but it's not confirmed yet. So I can't say it because it might not happen, but it probably will. But just check the Voyager 3 website and uh, we always post stuff or any of the social media, et cetera, et cetera. There's always so much going on. <laughs> I, know, I know, man, I know. And then at some point, um, we're going to try to get back out of town and do some fun stuff. Like uh, a couple years ago, we played in Brooklyn, New York, and it was so much fun. It was it was the best. So we're going to try to get back out there and maybe like Ohio. And we have some friends in Philadelphia. Um, just try to do up whatever we can. So when you guys play out of town, is the draw pretty good? Or do you guys try to like latch on to another band that has a good draw in that area? Uh, both, I guess, because yeah. all the ones we've done so far, which haven't been that many out of town ones, um, they've all been good. Um, the Brooklyn one in particular, um, there's a friend of ours who used to live here in Detroit. Um, uh, and then he moved out there and, and had lived there for quite a few years and developed the same band that he had here out there with different members. So we played with them and it, and it was good. But believe it or not, there were people who weren't fans of theirs either that came up that heard about us from like the, the Roddy Piper film and, and right. stuff like that. So there was the element of that too. So I think everything's working to further the cause, I guess. All things on you know on deck or whatever. There's a really <laughs> strong like science fiction horror culture in Brooklyn too. Oh, okay. They have the Brooklyn Horror Fest every year. And from what I understand, it's a really, really cool indie cinema festival nice. that does really well okay we are actually going to go out there a couple of years ago but the atlanta sci-fi film fest fell in the same week so we couldn't mm. do both oh gotcha but yeah so keep developing that brooklyn base yeah for sure yeah. Mm. so on our last show we talked a lot about soundtracks yeah a lot in most of them were 80s and not yeah 80s and 90s yeah, yeah. Lost Boys. Uh, what were some of the other ones? The Crow. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's the 90s. That's the one I always think about. The Crow, Judgment Night. Yeah, right We on. really dug into a lot oh, of those. Oh, yeah. Judgment Night was the one, wasn't it the one where they would mash up two different bands yes. together? Yeah, I remember that. I remember the, who was with Helmet? And they had this super, it, it was the super pingy snare on that one particular song. But who was Helmet with? We just talked about. Yeah, I I think it was Home and House of Pain. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, yeah, there was just like these, what you maybe wouldn't first think of mashups, I guess. And right, I remember liking that record. So I think that that they did a good job picking all that stuff. So being that your music is it's soundtrack based for the most part, what are some of your favorite scores in the realm of what you guys do? Yeah. Um. Man. (laughs) <laughs> so, many. so many yeah i'll just yeah. name just the first few that that come to mind i guess um i've absolutely always loved um oh man see it's too many well the the uh terminator soundtrack by oh yeah brad fidel just absolutely incredible um hmm i loved <laughs> the original predator soundtrack by alan silvestri that was always yeah he actually did both predators but the um you know, I take that Both back. Both of the real projects. Yeah, right, right, right. But two was cool too because uh, one was traditional, maybe how you think it, it should sound, right? And then two, same type of thing, but they introduced like all this like hand drums and tribal type vibes into it. So it kind of brought a little like voodoo element, I guess, in a way. Well, yeah, because kinda. some of the characters in right. the movie kind of, it follows that yeah, theme. Yeah, so that's great. Um, Escape from New York, John Carpenter is just, another incredible one uh i guess i would probably get in trouble if i didn't mention suspiria by goblin <laughs> it's also top of the heap also halloween yeah yeah i mean that's one of these staples for sure um john carpenter is just an amazing individual yeah. let's just get that out right now definitely as a matter of fact the last time that i was here we talked about John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Like almost exclusively. It was yeah. the topic of the night. Maybe it was his birthday or maybe he wasn't coming to town. Or it something. was something like that. But yeah. yeah, we talked about him at length. Yeah, we covered all the eras. 
even like yeah. Starman, which a lot of people <laughs> don't even realize that's him. But that's one of his best films, straight up. It's not what you think it would be if you hear the word John Carpenter, the name John Carpenter. But amazing. <laughs> We've talked about Starman so many times on here. Yeah, it's a great movie. It, it sure really is. is. That's the, Jeff Bridges, right? Yeah. This is yeah. the second yeah. time it's come up, even since I've been in. And yeah, and, so. and Karen <laughs> right. uh, Ellen. Yeah, she was great in there for sure. She's always great. Yeah, always great. Let's see. Let me think going. if I can think of any other ones in particular. That really, 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 really stand out. Uh, well, Phantasm. Uh, oh yeah. Fred Myro and Malcolm Seagrave, excellent job on that one. I mean, that's a that's one of the top top tier iconic uh, scores of of film. I don't know. It just you know. Uh, okay, here's a modern one. Is uh, uh, Annihilation. Oh. Loved it. Yes. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Now that's definitely modern. It's not your retro. No analog synth world, but it doesn't have to be to me. It's just if it's good, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I love that one. I got that first. I got it just like on iTunes. I wanted it on my phone, right? Then I was perusing the internet, and believe it or not, somebody—I think it was Lakeshore Records actually—offered um, it on vinyl. It I, was. I bought it immediately, and I, I have this this beautifully colored vinyl double LP version of it. I just I love that one for sure. Does it look like the Shimmer? Yeah, actually, it yeah. Does. I think they okay. even maybe called it that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think it was like the Shimmer Edition, or right. Yeah, so and yeah. that one they just threw in every single color in the whole plant to make yeah. that record. <laughs> have you seen Annihilation yet? No, or no, no. Oh, it's so wonderful. We need to have a night together at my house where we introduce you yes. to some of these amazing films. Yes, because Annihilation is one of the great science fiction films of the last decade. Yeah, definitely, easily. Oh yeah, I, sorry. I have to mention also uh, Blade Runner. Ben oh Jealous. yeah, that was probably one that helped. At least speaking for myself, like that was one of the ones that spoke to me so much as a kid when I saw Blade Runner. That when fast forward in, in the early two thousands, when I thought I want to make some electronic music, that was one of the things that was in the back of my mind of like, yeah, you know, like like when I watched Blade Runner, I want to do something that makes me feel like how I, when I watch Blade yeah. Runner. Stuff like that. It's fun layering. I did a lot of synth stuff down here for a while, and I never even really did anything with it, but it was always cool just to come down here and just start layering stuff. Lay down a beat and just build on top of it. I probably have 50 or 60 songs, and there's some really cool stuff in there. Nice. And I'll never do anything with it. Why not? Yeah, I don't know. Just because I kind of, I've gotten to that point with writing music where now it's about me. It's not about anybody else. Gotcha. That's even better though. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, so it exists for you and doesn't matter about you. Yeah, I don't, I just don't care because I just, I don't know. I just don't anymore. Yeah. Maybe I should care, but I don't. <laughs> you, you you never know. In six months, you may feel differently. Yeah, we've tried a few times to do stuff, and just like every time, it's like something gets in the way. Mm-hmm. So now we've got a couple other band projects in the works that I won't talk about, though. Oh, at some point we will. Right on. Um, Exciting. Yeah. So you guys recorded at Temper Mill again. Yes. Correct. Yep. Tell me a little bit about the process recording with Tony. Um, it's great. Tony has so much experience and uh, just a great ear that I love having him engineer our records. Um, it's just great. He, he is good on mic choices and um, you know choosing the right preamp for the situation. He just knows that stuff like second nature. So I trust him, and I just I, I, I will communicate a vibe that we're looking for, and he'll know how to do it within ten seconds. He he knows exactly what signal chain to use, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that one, we actually have recorded all the full-length albums there and in the same way. Um, it's funny, I just did an interview earlier today about this. It'll be <laughs> out on our channel like next week or something, but I totally love talking about it, so I have no problem. Um, we use uh, the Temper Mill for mostly the analog and vintage stuff that they have because since this band kind of is seeped in that spirit, we figure that that gear will just carry it right on through to the end product and it'll sound appropriate and just have that vibe and spirit. So um, we tracked to a two inch tape. They have an MC, a Sony MCI two inch 24 track machine and a Harrison 32 input console, which it's not the console, but that's the console type that Michael Jackson recorded Thriller on. Right. So, you know, h- highly coveted 
console. Uh, Harrison makes really good products, and their EQs in particular are really cool. They actually have this mid-band twice, actually. Um, they have two mids, and they're the same frequency, so you can kind of cut and boost right in the same area if you need to, and most EQs don't let you do that. The, the, the cutoff points are usually far apart enough to where they're their own things, but for some reason on this one, probably for the vocals, I would imagine, yeah, so you have yeah. better vocal control over the tone. Uh, that's how the EQ is on this board, so it's it's fun. N- not that that shaped our album or anything. It's just a cool, you know, extra little detail. Um, and you know, we used all of their good preamps and effects, and they they have a, a real stereo plate reverb. So on some of the little ham percussion things on War Mask, you'll hear the reverb of that. That's a printed reverb off the plate. It's not a plug-in. Um, we try to do that stuff as much as possible. Use an actual. Yeah, and it, processor and, and, versus, and it was committed that way to tape, and that's it. Yeah, the, 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 there is no spending eight hours, you know, trying out all these plugins to see what sound works. It's faders up, and that's the mix because it, it was produced that way on purpose. Yeah, that room sounds amazing. Drums in there yeah. sound great. A lot of local stuff comes out of there. Oh yeah, but a lot sure. of national stuff too. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, didn't uh, I think Flogging Molly did? If mm-hmm. not their last record, the one before that one there, something like that. And uh, one of my personal favorites, and also Aaron's, um, is the band Wig, who were originally from okay. Ann Arbor. Uh, they got a deal with Island back in the early 90s, and they did their first record, Deliverance, there at the Temper Mill completely. Then their second record, Wireland, some stuff was done at Temper Mill and some stuff in Chicago and some in L.A., et cetera, et cetera, um, so that's just to name a couple, and and really good notable local bands like Battery Acid, Knock Barrage, uh, and just the list goes on and on of just great records that came out of there. So yeah, they the gear is there, the knowledge is there. It's 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 all good. It sounds huge. Yeah. We did well. <laughs> I did one and a half albums there. Okay. We did the first Too Many Gods album there. That's that right. I yeah. Sang on. Yeah. Um, one of these days, I'm gonna play that album for you. Yeah. It's very dark, just bass-heavy metal, and just grinding, and it's a great groove to it. I yeah. love that album. I can remember and hearing I, it live when we when the old band would play with Too Many Gods at like the shelter. Yeah, that was probably after I left, though. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, because it was like this normal like metal five-piece. Um, it was me and Scott. Yeah, and then you know Justin and uh, my buddy Seth was in the band, and Alex Clem who passed away a few years ago. So I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, Alex had wow. a motorcycle accident. Oh, uh, wow. Probably eight years ago now. Wow, that was a cool cat, man. Yeah, wow. yeah, he Bummer. passed away. Yep. Um, we'll talk about that more later. Yeah. No details here. Gotcha. Um, For sure. But. Yeah, so we recorded there the first time, put out this awesome album, and then we went back and we did. We're doing all the sequencing stuff, and I just like lost it. I'm like, I can't do this, you guys. Yeah, because it was like, oh, you got to rap and you got to do this and you got to do. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't do that. Yeah. My my voice doesn't do that. It can sing just fine, but no, yeah, no real rap. I guess they, they were going for a certain thing. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were going for that kind of not metal hip hop thing at all, but. That thing that was going on in the early 2000s. Yeah. Right on. So, but yeah, yeah, I always liked recording with Tony. Tony's a great guy. Yeah. So. He's a wealth of experience and knowledge for sure. Yeah. So when is the album going to be out and where are people going to find it? Uh, all kinds of places. You know, <laughs> as we were talking about earlier with technology, all the options just exponentially expand. So first I will talk about the physical formats which would include vinyl records cds and believe it or not even cassettes and mm-hmm. you might you might be thinking why in the hell are you doing cassettes well, because them. we sell them <laughs> yeah uh, mainly overseas believe it or not we sell a lot to like sweden and germany and poland believe it or not um but it's okay so the vinyl copies there's two colors there's orange and there's transparent green and there's classic black vinyl so there's th- actually three options for vinyl and all of those are on sale actually right now for pre-order uh, through bellyacherecords.com. And that comes out April 26th. Then the uh, other formats, which are the CD and uh, cassette, there's two colors of cassettes. There's a red shell and a black shell. 
Um, and those are all on sale right now for pre-order at Voyager3.com, and that's V-O-Y-A-G-3-R.com. <laughs> well, you got to confuse people. I know. All the time. <laughs> that was Greg. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so you can get those right now, um, and those are that's out on April 26th. It'll ship, um, so you probably get it a day or two before April 26th, because now actually every single element is in from the manufacturer. We have cool. everything now. So um, you'll get it before probably a couple days before the release date if you pre-order it. Um, and then there is the digital world. So there's iTunes if you use uh, Apple products, and there's the Amazon store, and there's Google Play if you use Android, uh, yada, yada. <laughs> and then there's streaming. So there's Spotify, and there's Tidal, and what else, Deezer, yeah, and everything like that. Um, so I'll break it down for you. If you only stream it, you're not helping the band at all. Um, and if you buy a physical format, you're helping the band because we actually get a tiny bit of money from that so we can make the next record. Um, but at the end of the day, listen to our music any way you can, for sure, and enjoy. Um, and I think that's it for the formats, basically. Yeah, Spotify sucks, dude. Yeah, they just it just doesn't pay anything. I, I think there's legislation being talked about or introduced that might change things like that, but, I mean, I don't know if that'll ever become of anything well the orange one looks really rad so thank you yeah that's actually my I, favorite one too the opaque orange yeah, yeah. The, i mean the green one looked cool too but the orange that's the one that i want to get nice. yeah. yeah yeah oh i almost <laughs> forgot one of the coolest things if you if you've got any of the other voyager 3 albums you know that we always put something fun in in the record Ooh. the uh the first one had like this cool lenticular uh four by six postcard so you keep flipping it and it different images appeared and for are you synthetic love that that reminds me we of had my a, childhood too yeah yes. exactly there you go um are you synthetic had a 3d poster with 3d glasses came inside the record with it so you could look at the art in 3d now war mask we decided to raise the bar a little bit so in that one there is a 3d poster in there that has a 3d image on both sides awesome. that you can look at and there's a mask that you actually can put on and then you might be saying well Guys in Voyager 3, how am I supposed to look at the 3D poster with no glasses? Well, the glasses are in the mask. Oh. The, the mask has the red oh, and cyan shit. glasses in it. So you just put the mask on, look at the art. You can wear the mask to a concert. I don't advise you to do that, but you could if you wanted to. <laughs> you could wear a mask for Halloween because the mask actually has uh, uh, metal eyelets in the side. The mask is still cardboard, so it's not like completely super strong, but we put metal eyelets in the in the temples area, the little tab, so that it's got some strength to it. Who put the it's masks fun. together? Or was this something I you did. had to, Yeah? Yeah. That's yeah. pretty sweet. In my spare time, I, uh, <laughs> I did that. <laughs> in my very little bit of spare time. Yeah. Actually, the lenses come in tomorrow, so I, I get to glue uh, 1,200 lenses that or so fun. Uh, onto all that. Wow. It's pretty crazy. Because there's, you know, two for every mask. That'll yeah. Be yeah. <laughs> two for every mask. Right, right. <laughs> But that's okay. Well, it's part of the price of music. So that's when I say when we love playing music and, and recording and releasing albums, we truly do because we are doing the work and we present it to you. Everything yes. we do is as, as high a quality as possible. The CDs have full color printing on the CD. It's a it's a full color cardstock die cut and glued sleeve. So like a mini record jacket. Think of it that way. And it um, comes with Greg's double bass skills. So. That's right, man, for sure. That's the extra bonus. <laughs> Absolutely right, yeah. And, is, and his custom snare. I, 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 I try to brag about this snare anytime I can because it's so awesome. There's a local company called Detroit Drum Company, and they make drums custom to your specifications. So he had a snare made for him. And I always get the number wrong, um, but it's like at least 15 plies of maple. It's probably wow. – it's, it's around 15. So this snare – Every time he uses it on a recording, I know it's that snare because it cracks like just no other snare. It's a cannon. Right. It's just super powerful. And no other snare really sounds like that to me. So I like having a unique, you know, sonic like signature. A signature like sound. Yeah. 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 Because they Good sell job, snares Greg. like that. Mm -hmm. Good job, Greg. We love you, Greg. <laughs> right. Greg told me earlier, he's like, don't let Steve give me shit on the podcast. <laughs> Did he really say that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I won't. I'll defend your honor. There you go, right. <laughs> um, so what was the other song you gave me? Uh, actually, the title track, uh, okay. which is called War Mask. And this one, I I, I thought for the... I, I know this isn't radio, but I kind of thought of it as radio. I gave you 
uh, we have two versions of War Mask on the CD and cassette and the digital version, not the vinyl because it wouldn't fit. But uh, I did a mix, actually, of War Mask, and it's a little shorter, and I just kind of had a little bit more fun with it. It's not night and day different. It's just a little bit different flavor, but it's also shorter, so I gave you the shorter one uh, because thinking of production time and all that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to eat up all your time. No, 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 no. So what we're going to do is we are not going to have that track on the video here. We're going to say we're going to sign off for the night now. But if you download the audio podcast, we're going to put that track in with audio podcast. So cool, man. Thank you. So that's your bonus for checking out the podcast tonight. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Tell all your friends, tweet it, Facebook it, all that Instagram it. Yeah. MySpace it. (laughs) <laughs> live yeah, my, journal it my space at first yeah live journal friendster it come on yeah oh friendster <laughs> make sure you put it on your away message and your well aol uh yeah. messenger oh yeah. my god right and then right. put it on tinder <laughs> what the? <laughs> oh that's wonderful we're a bunch of assholes have we been on for one hour yeah, yeah. no way it's been an hour yeah yeah it's wow. been an hour yeah it's been yep. fun yeah heck yeah so we're going to try and do this every once in a while, like I said, in off weeks when maybe we can't get the whole crew together, we're going to try to do some more stuff like this because I think it's really important, you know, building up this cultural base, getting more local artists and stuff like that. Musicians, mm-hmm. filmmakers, producers, whoever. Right yeah. on. In one of these days, we just got to get Greg over here. I know. He's the only one who's never been on this. I know. I know. On the show. Yeah. He's far crazy. away, though. He's in like Novi or something, right? Canton, Westland. Same difference. Something. And he always mm. teases us, too. He goes, man, you guys never even been over to my house, man. And we're like, man, we'll get there. <laughs> we, go, we go, when are you going to have a party? He goes, I've had parties. And we're like, have another party. Dude, we're old. <laughs> Plan a party for us. We'll come. We'll be there. Right, right. You fuckers, you need to show up again. <laughs> Stone said he's going to download it to his Zoom. <laughs> oh, nice. I love bringing all this uh, yeah. outdated Zoom. technology into oh, that. Those were the best. Way to go, Stones. Yeah. I had this little Sony MP3 player, you know, because I was too cheap to buy an iPod. Right. Yeah. So I had the little Sony one. It was like orange and white. I would have been too if it wasn't a gift. I got an iPod as a gift. And I, yeah. I, I, I listened to it till the wheels fell off, basically. Those iPod classics were awesome, though. Yeah. Those things lasted forever. You know, I had a Zune and it lasted forever. I still use it, actually. Yeah? Nice. Yeah. That's nice. pretty sweet. Some of the outdated <laughs> technology actually works. Right. So, all right, guys, we're going to sign off for the night. Check out the audio podcast for the other track, and we'll be back next week. Good See night. Ya. Good night.
Visit us at www.themoviesleuth.com and find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes.